hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters. You know, we talked about Bigfoot in one episode. It's a lot of fun, so come join me at the Campfire Chats, a DFAT entertainment podcast hosted on Spotify and other fine places you find podcasts. The following is a DFAT entertainment podcast, recorded and edited by Jake Duell. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. Let both sides explore what problems unite us. Instead of belaboring those problems which divide us, we dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. Ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Aaron, welcome back to the tavern again. Thanks, Jake. Love uh, coming here to grab a beer with you. Uh, or a pint as we should say today yeah we should say a pint today you know it's it's uh guinness day guinness. but special guinness this is guinness nitro cold brew coffee beer with coffee and natural coffee flavors four percent alcohol by volume well so you th- you threw this one at me kind of last minute and to mitigate any type of uh adventure i just i decided to just go the lazy route because wegmans now will deliver beer to you through the wegmans app so i was like oh that's perfect i don't have to put on pants or leave my house wegmans keeping rochester fed (laughs) and uh i thought that would be the only story and uh you wouldn't get a ridiculous story out of me. And lo and behold, the, the gods of beer uh, frowned upon me and decided to make it a thing. And uh, that thing was that while the process to buy beer through the Wegmans app and coincidentally Instacart seems pretty straightforward. Um, they can't just leave it at your door. They need to verify that, uh, that they're giving it to an adult and not a child. Um, I had to put in my, uh, date of birth when completing the purchase and um you know they were when they deliver it they were going to come to the door and i just had to present my id um well first hiccup was it said my shopping started and then it stopped but not completed and i was very confused and then didn't hear anything for quite a while didn't know if they were shopping or not um, got no notifications of if it was, you know, if they were adjustments or found things, didn't. And uh, I had my window and my time frame. And after complete radio silence uh, for almost in two hours, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'll start making some phone calls. I'll actually do some work today. Um, they have until 11 to deliver it, I'm sure. You know, I'll get the notification that it's at least out for delivery at some point and I'll be able to do it. And uh, I hopped on the phone talking to someone 
And all of a sudden there's a knock at my door and I'm in the middle of a phone call and an important one and I can't get away. So my wife had to run to the door holding a screaming baby to a very confused, flustered person who thought that I would be answering the door. My wife sort of just threw her ID at them because she was very confused and running around and had to didn't understand because she didn't know what I had bought from Wegmans. Um, and it turns out that, oh, and I got no notification that this person had even started shopping and didn't get the, your item is out for delivery and then delivered uh, until about half an hour after everything happened. <clears throat> um, theoretically, apparently, because the original person from Instacart who got the started shopping for us, uh, for me, was uh, under 21. And apparently that caused some problems. And it screwed up the entire system. So good on you, Jake. I tried to game the system and make this super simple. And once again, you got a story. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I just happened to be at Wegmans doing grocery shopping yesterday. And I saw this thing and I was like, nah, this is what we're drinking. So are you ready? I am. I am. Oh. That smell of coffee just whacked me in the face. Oh, did you hear that little gurgle? Mm. Smells Is this good. coffee or a beer? I don't know. You're going to use a glass. I'm going right from the can. Try and get some ASMR in there. I'm going to treat this like a true Guinness. I'm going to have to let it sit for a little bit, right? I'll take a sip from the can, though. Oh, that is... Is this coffee or a beer? I can't tell. I like it. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. I'm so glad I have a four-pack. And the can's got that weird little ball yep. in it that all Guinness has. I don't oh. know what if that does anything, but... Ooh, this is glass, probably it's... the best coffee beer I've ever had. And I've had my fair share of coffee beers. Ooh, so smooth. It's like a cold brew with alcohol. I give this one a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I know at too. some point we were supposed to like rate these. Um, congratulations to our four listeners. Are we back up to four listeners? I didn't scare too many of the way. No, I don't think so. Last podcast. All right. Congratulations, Guinness. You have made a delicious coffee beer. It's fantastic. So it is really good. That is, and I'm really glad it's in a glass because I mean, most likely no one's ever going to see the, the video of this. Um, but this is perfect. It looks great. Now, you know what I would not want to do with this? A car bomb. <laughs> Are you over that from our last? Uh... No, it's not that I'm over that. If it was a regular Guinness, okay. But I do not think the flavor of coffee thrown into a car bomb would be an improvement. No, I think it would be sacrilege to this beer. Yeah. I was proactive. I brought two down with me to the cave. So. Need more context on your favorite movie? Is Obama. Obama. As okay. Senator Obama.
Ever wonder why they did or didn't do that thing or include that scene? This is prime. Like, this is is quality entertainment. Check out Gutsy Media Podcast as my friends and I take a deep dive into everything from blockbusters to indie films. The weakest apple cider bitch beers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Gutsy Media Podcast for everything movies. Well, what are we talking about today, Jake? So one of my favorite little offshoots of our last podcast was talking about what was going on in Nevada with them potentially bringing up corporate towns. So we're talking about the politics of corporate towns today. Oh, corporate. Yeah. So this is going to be a corporate episode. This is going to be a corporate episode. Well, Uh, because this is a corporate episode, I, I feel the need to uh to just give a few couple few shout outs i mean it's not like we have sponsors or anything if anybody would like to sponsor a podcast that only has about four listeners i mean we're your podcast but i'm just saying you know i'm wearing a brand new shirt uh courtesy of fabletics men great quality uh clothing for working out for men without the frou-frou-ness um brand new sure microphone i think i set up the logo um perfectly in the camera even though no one's gonna see this and uh uh you know and we're we're drinking guinness and as they said back in the day uh toucans in their nest agree guinness is good for you open some today and see what a toucan can do for you okay I love yeah. Guinness. Yeah. I'm sure there's someone out there laughing. So corporate towns, Jake. Yes. And hey, just to let you know, I think we hit uh, eight listeners last episode. Uh, oh, so and at peak so far this year, we've had 20 total listens in a week, one week. So. That's impressive. Drink I'm sure Guinness. half of them are my mom. <laughs> but uh well, my dad too. So there's mm. two of our four listeners. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, corporate towns. So I I, of course, being the one who did the research, went out and uh hit Wikipedia on some news articles, and I got three pages of notes out of the whole corporate town thing. Nice. So in a uh lack of sleep drunken stupor um i googled it so i have a vague understanding but lots of rants all right so i want to start with a non-us corporate town before we go into us because i was listening to an episode of behind the bastards and they were talking about uh the gun company out of germany which was one of the very first companies to form a corporate town He kind of bought his workers housing, provided them pensions and all these, you know, amenities. But in exchange for that, he wanted full control over his workers' lives. Like he thought very German. He should be able to control what they're not doing, what they're doing when they're not at work. And that kind of flowed over to America. Uh, So corporate towns is technically considered a form of welfare capitalism. And this specific version is known as paternalism. 
and it's a control of their workers by their employers who the employers sought to force middle class ideals upon working class employees. It got very popular during the 19th century, and some businessmen actually even saw this as a moral and religious responsibility. So, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, to become a business owner, you have to be slightly narcissistic and uh, have a little bit of a God complex. So, you know, you're going to have some people who are going to take that a little bit too far. You are all my children. I mean, it's probably, you know, not a mistake that it's, you know, the the ideology is called paternalism, you know. Yeah. And I mean, in a way it was. It wasn't slavery, but it was like bringing serfs back. But instead of serving a country, you were serve or, you know, a lord, you were serving your corporation that you worked for. And in exchange, they gave you health care and benefits and houses. And all you needed to do was pledge your undying loyalty to the corporation, because if you broke your loyalty, you lost your house, you lost your pension, you lost your benefits. You you were a slave to your corporation. And it sounds like communism. Without the equality part. Yeah, <laughs> but it's capitalism in this case because it's a rich businessman trying to. Capitalism. Capital. Well, welfare capitalism. It's like it's, it's like a small it's like oxymoronic like a small whale. So in doing my research, there's one big corporate town that was talked about, uh, and it was the Pullman town. This oh, was... that's one of the ones I actually learned about. Oh, good. So this was built in the 1800s. It housed about uh, 6,000 workers plus their families and provided basically everything. Uh Now, to encourage people to live in the corporate town because you did not have to, people who lived in town tended to get treated better at the company than those workers who commuted to work. Uh, So there's a very first big like, well, this isn't mandatory, but if you don't live in town, I don't know, we can't give you the better shifts because (laughs) we don't know if you can make it in on time. We decided to give Jake the promotion because he's a little bit more reliable. Yeah. Especially when it comes to attendance. Yes. Uh, so what ended up destroying this corporate town was they hit a bit of the slump in the company. They weren't making as much money as they had originally been making. So they decided to lower their workers' wages. But those workers paid rent on their houses back to the company and the grocery stores were owned by the company. And you know what they didn't do? Lower the rent cost or the cost of groceries. No, of course not. Why would you? They paid less to their workers and still collected the same amount back to them, making the company a little bit more money during a hard time. So this led to a strike uh, by the workers which had some pretty 
surprising results for 1894, in my opinion. Um, a national committee labeled paternalism as an un-American form of capitalism because of the results. And by 1898, the Illinois Supreme Court uh, looked at the town and divested it from the company and incorporated the town into the city of Chicago, which I feel like for the late 1800s, that's a pretty surprising like result. Right. Pretty much at the height of corporate corruption in the United States. Yeah. It was like, yeah, this might have gone a little too far. So, I mean, from what little I remember reading up about it, um, I mean, he even went so far as to dictate, you know, what books were allowed in the library. Um, He prevented town meetings, restricted the use of uh, saloons and bars. Yep. He did not want his people drinking Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. (laughs) Guinness, it's good for you. Not if you're in the Pullman town. (laughs) Let's let's have a Guinness. No, I think, I mean, before we move on, I feel like corporate towns back then were seen, at least by businessmen, as an early form of bringing utopia to the world. Because I'm going to provide for you my workers you know right well this it's is coming it's out of in, my pocket right it's steeped in that you know i mean first off you know it, it comes from that from it from an ideology of as you said trying to create a utopia but also um you know there there's definitely a a philanthropic aspect to it but it's a misguided philanthropic um, ideology. And I'll, I'll explain that in a second, but you know, it, it comes from, you know, in the, in the, the founding of these towns, you know, the thought process was, you know, we're taking, I mean, cause, cause back then the difference between working class and middle class, you know, there were much, much different groups of people. Nowadays, working class is more synonymous with the middle class. And, you know, I mean, you could say lower middle, 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 upper middle, but, you know, back in that day, middle class was a much, much higher, loftier place in society. It was almost non-existent um, at that time. There, there are very few people in the middle class. You didn't have upward mobility, really, um, because of the systems in place that really prevented it. And, you know, working class was literally that, you know, they're, you know, it's you're living paycheck to paycheck. You know, you're earning, a you know, a minimum wage that's ne- not necessarily a living wage. You know, everybody in the family is working, you know, that can work. Children are working. Um so, you know, they saw it as, you know, well, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm uber wealthy. I have all this wealth. I can, you know, create a town and control the prices of everything. And I can give my workers a middle class life. But, <laughs> but we're going to do it in an area that has no freedom because and this is where it's a misguided 
philanthropic effort because the ideology that I see that, you know, leads someone to create these types of corporate towns, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some more, is the I am going to give people a better life, but I am going to control every aspect of it because it's not going to be their perfect life. It's going to be my vision of their perfect life. And the problem is you can't create someone else's utopia. And the more, no matter how, I mean, they brought up this concept in the matrix, no matter how perfect a system you create, if there is no, if, if everything is controlled, it doesn't matter if everything is perfect. Humans will destroy it and we will rebel. It's just in our nature to reject a pre-prescribed plan. In six iterations, they always rebelled. <laughs> 10% of you always rebelled, no matter how perfect I made sure it was. This is where the theory that the Matrix movies are taking place within a simulation in a simulation to let neo and his people rebel because the computer finally perfected it well quick sidebar did you see they're making another film i did with with all all the original cast coming back yeah i did that could hold up that theory it might because they they already said that uh keanu reeves is coming back and he's dead so It'll be interesting. Unless it's a new Neo because they reset the simulation again. Uh, yeah, it could be that. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, so it, all these, you know, it comes from that place of, you know, oh, we're going to, we're going to provide housing for them and you're going to have access to a house you could never afford. And because you're a worker, you're, there's no way you could buy the house. So you're going to rent it from us. Okay, but if you don't ever let some, I mean, and that's and that's where all of these devolve, because in corporate towns, you don't own anything. Everything is owned by the corporation, which is where it always falls down. So you don't own your house. You don't own the land it's on. I mean, the 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 corporation dictates what's, you know, what's sold at the grocery store, what the prices are, and then. That's what he had. I mean, a corporation is ultimately has one goal in mind, make money. Eventually something's going to happen and shit profits went down. Well, I'm sorry. We're going to have to cut wages. That's great. Are you going to cut my rent? Why would we cut your rent? That's the rent. Which is funny to me because you're getting paid a wage by the company that you're then turning around and paying your rent money from your wage back to the company. It's like this flow of MRR for the company. Oh, it's a brilliant business model on the company standpoint. I can show that I have the entire town's rent payment as MRR, and I know they can make their rent payment because I'm the one paying them and probably deducting it directly from their paycheck instead of giving them their paycheck and then asking them to pay me the rent money i mean the other thing is 
because you know the corporation owns all the land and i'm sure they bought the land outright it's not like they're paying you know mortgage on it or anything which means they could overly inflate these people's paychecks oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna pay you three times the national average for you know whatever they did in pullman um three times but in reality you know they're making 20 percent less than the average person because oh yeah three times but you have to pay rent uh you can only buy things at our grocery and clothing store schmidt's clothing it will suffice we've got gray coveralls <laughs> or gray coveralls which you prefer yeah no, it is this very- is america it was blue or light blue <laughs> It is very communist in a way. It reminds me of some of the things I've heard about Chinese um, corporate towns. That they have towns built around, you know, Foxconn and stuff like that. Right. Where you work in the town, they provide your entertainment, all that stuff. Well, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about what caused the initial downfall of corporate towns in America. And. I'm trying to keep my focus mainly in America because these actually still kind of exist and are a little bit more successful overseas than they were in America. Uh, So what really changed corporate towns in America and caused its decline was the 1920s and 30s. So first of all, people started getting cars and didn't need to live so close to work. Second of all, people started making more money and could afford to buy their own houses. You could go to the Sears catalog, order your house. It would get delivered to your plot of land, and it came with an instruction manual to put your house up on your property. (laughs) That changed things. Um, There was also a change in the view of welfare capitalism, where this was originally seen both as workers by workers and employers as positive and uplifting, it started to be seen as demeaning to have to have everything provided by your company. And then the final thing was the Great Depression hit. A bunch of companies are like, hey, we can cut a bunch of money by not having to own all these houses and stuff because we're not employing enough workers to get our rent payment from this land and we can just sell this land outright. And the New Deal's politics made it easier for people to buy houses outright so companies no longer needed to provide housing. It's not that corporate towns or some sort of corporate town didn't still exist. It's just it went from the corporation really owning everything to the whole town being built around a company with a little bit extra competition. But if that company fell out, the town fell down. Uh, This became really big in Pennsylvania and the areas of the Midwest around coal mining. There were these towns that were built around the coal mines. And as the coal mines closed, the town collapsed. Right. Because you you still have that today. Yeah. Where you'll have, uh, I mean, coal, you know, coal towns still exist. And, you know, you get rural parts of you know west virginia and you know other parts of the country where there's a single single resource that a town is built around prison towns yeah it's uh it's no uh no secret that we are both based in rochester new york and uh i think for a very long period of time you could could have considered us a 
de facto corporate town because of Kodak. Yeah, I mean, we luckily had some other businesses like Xerox and Bosch and Lam in town, but Kodak was our major employer. It's the reason the inner loop was built the way it was. It was the reason that if you're on 531, there is an exit that takes you right to the Kodak Plaza on the expressway. Um, it, it really was a... Kodak was a business that propped us up. And I actually had something around Kodak noted. So we weren't exactly a corporate town. Kodak didn't own everything. But Kodak did buy land for their employees and build housing tracks. Now, you would then go buy the house from Kodak, and Kodak wouldn't continue to own it and uh, mortgage it out. But only Kodak employees were allowed to buy houses in that track. Uh, one was very near me. It was the Meadowbrook neighborhood in Brighton. Uh, Kodak built it in the 1920s. And actually, for the longest time, I've wondered this. At the end of my street, I've seen an old subway map, was the last subway stop on the Rochester subway. And I always wondered why here in Brighton there was a Kodak town three street or a Kodak housing lot three streets away. So people could walk to that subway and go down to Kodak and work and then come home. That's there's your answer. There's my answer. Um, so the reason this actually made news recently, this housing development, because when they created it, they put in a rule in the housing charter that no home could ever be sold to a person of color. It was a oh. whites only neighborhood. And Though in the 1940s, this kind of housing practice became illegal and they found other ways to prevent uh, housing through redlining and things like that. Right. This actually stayed on all the deeds in this house up till this year. They finally went through and uh, uh, did a court case or something to update the deeds to remove this unenforceable racist law (laughs) that apparently is on like thousands of housing developments across the United States still. And we had one right here in Brighton. Good old Brighton. Good old Rochester. Good old Rochester. Yeah. Thank you, Kodak. Yeah. Thank you, Kodak. Yeah. So I I did talk (laughs) about My research did include a little bit about our awesome former overlords, Kodak. Well, See, Kodak, Musk, that's why you can come here. We're already used to. We're re- We're primed. We're ready. Please, please take us. Please tell us what to do. <laughs> I mean, here's I don't know if if your parents ever talked about this or because um, the, the what I mean, the collapse of Kodak pretty much happened within our the early years of our life um so we didn't really get to live through kodak in its heyday but because um you know my parents are older um and and knowing what they lived through kodak kodak employed like here to anybody any of our listeners who aren't from rochester here is how how much of an impact Kodak had in Rochester and basically just on 
just on a retail level. They employed so many people and were so profitable that their year-end bonuses were so high that once a year, all businesses, all retail businesses in Rochester would advertise around Kodak's bonuses, year-end bonuses being given to their employees. And I have a newspaper from the day I was born in 1989 where there are, I mean, and this was even back then, there are ads in the newspaper talking directly to, hey, Kodak employees that you just got your year-end bonus, come on down to John's Cars. By the way, if you don't work at Kodak, we'll give you a great deal too. Wink. Like, you literally have, and this is going back, you know, decades of, I mean, going back through old newspapers and old ads in Rochester. And it's literally, they pumped so much money into the market that companies cyclical cycles um, were basically based off of when Kodak was giving their employees bonuses. And you have, you had, I mean, car companies just shamelessly advertising to Kodak employees, knowing when their year end bonus came because, you know, they didn't follow a calendar year and looking, I mean, the impact that a single company can have on a town and from, you know, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but one of, you know, corporate towns, you know, that have fallen away, there's still a lot of cultural things that were set up by that corporate town um, or quirks or idiosyncrasies that still exist within that town long after the corporate town has gone away. In Rochester, Kodak has been gone for over 30, you know, has been gone from its peak for over 30 years. Okay. There's no, there's no Kodak bonus checks going in, you know, to the Rochester marketplace. They're barely employing, you know, a percentage point of the total Rochester population. Yet the retail buying patterns in Rochester still to this day follow that cyclical nature of the Kodak bonus structure and program. And at this point, it's just something that's ingrained into a Rochesterian's DNA. They don't know why they're spending X amount of dollars during this month, but they are because they've been doing it for generations. And, oh, it's this month. You know, this is, this is when we're a little bit looser with our, you know, savings and we're going to splurge a little bit. Why we don't have any more money this month than we did last month. I don't know because that's what your dad did. And that's what your grandfather did. And that's what your great grandfather did. Yeah. Cause back in the day, Kodak was giving everybody bonus checks. Yeah. I mean, to break from corporate towns for a second, if anyone ever develops a time machine, I'm hopping in that thing, going back to the 1970s and slapping the CEO in the face when he says, no, no one's ever going to want digital cameras and slapping him over and over again until he goes, okay, we can put some money into digital. The classic example of uh, groupthink and um, 
short-sightedness literally the epitome of you know we make buggy whips <laughs> like the bug the buggy gonna go away they, they've invented this thing called cars should we start producing something else we don't need to produce something else we make buggy whips okay i've read multiple business books where kodak and that decision is used in his an example and i know kodak's mentioned in business textbooks for their short-sighted vision not only with that but i if i remember hearing right apple approached them about being the camera in the iphone yep and they're like no no one's ever going to want a phone with a camera in it yep and now people take photos all over the world own zero camera other than the one built into their phone. Yep, and it could have been made and produced by Kodak. Yep. Hey, I mean, Kodak Kodak was the first company in the world that invented a viable, working, retail-ready digital camera. And they shelved it. And that this is where the group think. And I have met someone who was in that boardroom when that conversation took place and he said it was one of the reasons he ended up leaving the company because of how disgusting the conversation and not disgusting because it got nasty or mean but just the corporate blowheartedness of the oh this no we're making so much money on film it'll never die like basically sitting sitting yeah and everybody's like oh yeah no that's a great and just kissing ass and just like oh yeah <laughs> like they invented the the digital camera for a retail consumer first they had it ready it was good and they shelved it and the division that created it kept trying to push it and say no this is this is the next big thing we need to release it and it got so bad to the point that they cut the division in half they ridiculed and demoted the people who kept pushing it until basically the ones that were left were like, all right, fuck it. We're not going to, you know, I guess we'll keep our mouths shut. And then I forget which Japanese company was the first one to bring a digital camera to market. Um, but it was at least it was almost 10 years after Kodak had developed their first one. And Kodak came out and was like, wait, wait, we have one. We have one. And they just took it off the took it off the shelf and it was like nope at that point you're 10 years old which means you might have been 100 years old and that was just just cascaded into a downfall and then they started losing and here's the part that most people don't bring up they missed the mark on the digital camera which left them vulnerable which is when they started losing market share to in film to fuji yeah it, i mean it was only kodak film you only ever had kodak film Movies were only ever shot using Kodak film. And I remember the first the first time going to a movie theater in Rochester and watching a movie and getting to that end credits and seeing Fuji film scroll and being like, what the fuck is this bullshit? You know, what's funny, though. Now, the one profitable part of their business still is movie film. They're, <laughs> I think, the only company in the world that still makes 70 millimeter film for directors so we got that niche we got that niche yeah all right 
we'll leave Kodak center because we're Rochesterians and we can never forget Kodak. It'll be like another 50 years before the Kodak name doesn't shine the skylines of Rochester every night and we can finally leave it behind. It won't be our generation or our children's generation. It'll be the generation after that. Elon Musk, you can come to Rochester and we can make it Musk Town. <laughs> we'll be your muskies. All right. So a little bit more about the U.S. at peak, and then we'll talk about why we're talking about corporate towns. Uh, so at peak, there were actually uh, 2,500 corporate towns, which uh, housed about 3% of Americans at its peak. That which, is surprisingly high. That is very high, isn't it? 3% of Americans got their housing from corporate towns. Can um, I just say, uh, in my little bit of research, I didn't realize that Hershey, Pennsylvania was a corporate town. Y- yes. Well, I mean, it's na- named Hershey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I got nothing else on that. Um, what are corporate company- towns in Pennsylvania? I mean, Pennsylvania, come on, have some self-respect. What's going on with you? Dude, Pennsylvania was a ton of corporate towns. Maybe not all owned by the town, but that's, you know, all those little towns, those coal towns and all that, corporate towns. Um, Companies exerted paternalism over their residents. They wanted to control their behaviors and beliefs while they were part of the corporate town. That didn't mean while you were at work. It meant you live in this town. You believe and do what we tell you to do, which Puritan is values. Very Don't be doing of that butt stuff on your own time. Yes. Um, and there's actually still some corporate towns that exist in the modern day, like traditional corporate towns. Uh, two examples I found were Bear, Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista are in Florida are both still Disney towns. So I like how you how your accent on those was spot on. Oh yeah. Um your your pronunciations of Spanish words is impeccable. Oh yeah. Totally. Lake Buena Vista? Yeah, that place. <laughs> I got that so, thick Rochester accent. <laughs> so those are actually Disney towns. That's from an actually corporate town? That's what it said. I always thought that was just like a resort. I mean but, it's housing that they put their mascots and stuff in. It's a corporate town. They do may they not control the, the grocery stores and stuff, but I think they control. Do the they housing. control the housing? Like, do does the employees of Disney have to pay rent and stuff? I don't know if they have to pay rent, but I know like uh, my college had the Disney program where you could study at Disney um, for a semester, and you pretty much did an internship at Disney, and it was like being at a college where they provided all your housing and all that for you. Oh, of course it's Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Walt was a interesting character. Yeah, we can we'll we can leave it at that. Yeah. We can say interesting. Yeah. His frozen head will one be put day put on a spider robot body and try to take over the world. Is it just a head? I thought his entire body was in cryostasis. So from what I understand about cryostasis, when he went into it, though, they had to separate the head from the body. Like, so his body is frozen, but so is only his head. So he did. He did. 
Yeah. He well, did. I mean, is, is he actually dead or is there like it's just frozen down to. No, I think he actually dead. If your head aren't on your body, you actually dead. Right. I would think you sever the spinal cord. You're dead. But yeah. Interesting. Until one day Walt Disney can be brought back to life. And what did he did? What did now I got? We're going off on a major tangent, but I'm going to have to look up. What did Walt Disney die of? Or was he just like, you know, now's the time. Cut off my head. I'm I'm good. Walt Disney death. Deaths. Why, why would Google auto put an S at the end? Did he die multiple times? Oh, because people would have died at. Lung cancer. He had been oh, a well, smoker I mean, since World War One and didn't use cigarettes with filters. I mean, filters are for babies. Oh, yeah. Ten days and after women. his 65th birthday, he died of circulatory collapse caused by the cancer. His remains were cremated two days later. Oh, so maybe he wasn't frozen. I always thought Is he was frozen. Is that a frozen. myth? Maybe that's a myth. Now I got to look up his Walt Disney frozen. Thank you, Jake. Spreading false information to our listeners who who listen to this podcast for the utmost uh, rumors that Disney's body was cryogenically frozen. But he was cremated, officially cremated in 1966. There is Disney's no Disney head coming back. has denied that he is cryogenically frozen. Oh, well, that's just a cover up. Okay, now I'm back on the fact that his body is cryogenically frozen underneath the Car- Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. No, he would not be at Disneyland. He hated Disneyland. Yeah. Back on the fact that that's a conspiracy theory. Uh, okay, I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he is or is not frozen are there famous uh, we've completely devolved from the topic but what famous people are cryogenically frozen i don't know what famous person died today nope i don't want that um legendary red sox baseball player ted williams He's apparently cryogenically frozen. There are 145 frozen people waiting to be resurrected in Arizona. Oh, imagine if they have a power outage. That's going to suck. That stink. Oh, it's just spoiled meat. Ugh. Yeah, these people were frozen alive. Or like, like seconds after death. Yeah. You're still dead. Uh, interesting. Well, do you think a corporate town would uh, have the right to cryogenically freeze an employee so maybe, that uh, up to such point they could bring him back and have uh, free labor or at maybe. least cheaper labor? Maybe. Would you be cryogenically frozen by your corporation if they provided your housing for free? I don't want to be cryogenically frozen. I want to be put in one of those tree pods. You want to turn into a tree. I want to turn into a tree. You've been reading too much Speaker for the Dead. <laughs> so I, I want to turn into a tree. Like All the right. Pecaninos. 
let's get back to corporate towns. Let's try to stay on topic at this point. All right. I think I think we need a quick uh, quick ad break from our sponsor Guinness. Yes. Um, let's have a Guinness. How much brighter life is after a Guinness? How much fresher and stronger you feel? How much calmer in this time of strain? Have a Guinness tonight because Guinness is good for you. And just a keynote, Guinness is not paying us for these sponsorships. So uh, we're not actually making any money off of reading their old ads as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but Guinness, if you want to send us more, uh, if you well, not more because you didn't do it in the first place. But if you want to send us free booze, um, we will do this every week. Yeah, we will. All right. Why are we talking about corporate towns? Because we brought up Nevada on the last podcast. So I went into a deep dive about corporate towns, excuse me, and what Nevada is considering. Um, so it's a proposed law. It's not approved yet, but uh, it would allow corporate towns to create smart cities uh, and blockchain LLC is one of the first ones that has signed up for this program. And they're supposed to have their town by November of, or by 2022. Um, so what happened is governor Steve Salacloak. I really have no idea how to say this guy's name. Governor Steve, uh, wants to give others the power, uh, other towns to form their own government if they're owned by a corporation. And I want to point out he's a Democratic governor because I think it's important to at least acknowledge his political affiliation. And he's not calling them corporate towns. He's calling them innovation zones. Yes. So. Just like that's not an STD. That's a rash. <laughs> I All mean, right. it, 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 from, from the very little tiny minuscule bit of research I did on this, which is mainly just gleaming all the research you did. It sounds like they are taking the failed concept of a corporate towns from the early 1900s and making it worse because at least at its height, in the early 1900s, corporate towns didn't have legal governance over oh. their residents. Yeah, that that is true. They they controlled every aspect of their lives and de facto governance because they owned your home, which means they could evict you at any point. Because basically in the early 1900s, corporate towns, you owned nothing. Everything was owned by the corporation, which means you did as they said, because they would just take it away. Um, this is worse because um, the, the, the police, I, I would assume the police, the fire department, the ambulance, all municipalities and uh, the local uh, government zoning board uh, will all be owned by the corporation. Yeah. Uh, so as we talked, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, paternalism was a idea of utopia. Um as I go through this more and kind of give my views on it, this is a complete dystopia to me. And 
yeah, I have some thoughts on that. Have they given a name to? I mean, I know they're calling them innovation zones, but have they come up with? Because we had paternalism for the old ones. Has anything popped up with what these are? No, because it hasn't actually happened yet. So it's a little too new. I think it's a little too new for them to have a technical term related to them. Um, so I had, did not stumble upon one. So you're okay. ready for some more fun facts. Oh, yes. Lay it. Hold on. Hold on. Let me take a nice big. I'm going to chug the rest of my nitro and Ah, all right lay it on me all right so in exchange for the autonomy the corporate town would get nevada won't waive the standard taxes or other incentives they give to companies to move to a state so i did think this was interesting because most times when you're trying to lure a company to a state I know it just most recently happened with Amazon when they were thinking of building HQ2. Towns will come in and they'll be like, no taxes for 15 years. Or, (laughs) you know, we'll give you the land. We as a state will buy the land using taxpayer money and it's yours because you're bringing us jobs. We're going to name the street Amazon Boulevard. In this case, they're going to give them the form ability to form government but then be like you you still got to pay the standard taxes to us <laughs> i thought it was interesting i mean it it's kind of i mean i i'm surprised because that's kind of sensible yeah, I, would, like, I would like to say like we're giving you the ability to completely fuck over every single person that lives in your bullshit you know government but, but we are not going to give you a tax incentive to do it. It 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 is a sensible thing. <laughs> like, I mean, I like, mean, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like telling a toddler, yeah, I I will sell you this forty four Magnum handgun, <laughs> but but I am going to put the bullets on the top shelf. Okay, I'm not going to hand them to you. They're on the top shelf. I know there's a step stool over in the corner. You got to figure that out on your own. Yes, here's the handgun. Go for it. Have fun. Yeah, I personally don't think corporations should get either. These tax incentives that states use to fight for each other's businesses and or the ability to form governments. But I'm kind of shocked that they're actually putting a restriction on this and not like, no, you can form the government and we'll waive all your taxes. Like, although theoretically, because it it sounds great on paper and it's like, okay, you know, look, they're not completely insane, but but big but um, they're allowing the corporation to form a government which means eventually they'll be able to dictate their own taxes so i mean surprise i wouldn't be surprised if the corporation in the middle of that innovation zone um doesn't have any property tax just you know oh no we waive property taxes for the center mile radius of our town or innovation zone sorry yes all right 
Um, so here's some other restrictions. A definition of an innovative company to move in. It can only be an innovative company. Ooh. You have to be in blockchain, healthcare, robotics, renewable energy, biometrics, autonomous cars, or other innovative technology. So it sounds like this would not be available to like the Twitters and the Facebooks, you know, social media would not be considered innovative. A company trying to build nanobots to do healthcare, innovative though. Okay. I, although they did at the end leave a open-ended, we can take this on a case-by-case basis. They, yes, they did. So theoretically, yes, Twitter, Twitter can't go in, but Oh, uh, the Bull Moose Tavern podcast. You guys are building an app. Yes, it's Twitter, but the logo is is chartreuse. Now, I instead will... of blue, so it's innovate. It's completely different, and instead of a like button, it's a love button. I will say I did not read the actual law because I'm not a lawyer in legalese, but I read an article to get this information from so maybe that other companies isn't as vague as the article made it seem but it might hey, be i got my information from a guy that read an article written by another guy so here's what they need to they need to develop fifty thousand acres not already developed to build a corporate town they must have 250 million dollars on hand to invest with a plan to invest $1 billion in the corporate town within 10 years. It's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. So basically, Nevada is outsourcing the development of towns. This yeah. is what I'm getting at. They realize that they need rapid expansion of places for people to move to, but they don't want to spend the money as a state to actually put in the infrastructure. So they're going, so they're creating this bullshit innovation zone. So a innovative company, which the majority of innovative companies exist within uh, um, industries that are bubbles. At some point, a bubble is going to burst. So they're basically this is this is my thought. This is this is where my head's going. They're creating they're doing this so that a company can come in, spend all the money to build a town, which has to be in the middle of nowhere because it has to be non-developed, which means they will have to pay for because they're going to build the town. They're like, we built the town. Can you bring the the road and the electricity? And I guarantee you the state's going to be like, no, 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 you have to. You have to pay for us to connect. We're going to go to the end of our developed area and you have to, you're going to have to pay to run all the lines and you're going to have to pay to run the main throughway there. Um, They're going to do that. And in five or 10 years, these companies are going to go belly up or what have you. And it's just going to be a regular town. And one of two things are going to happen. Um, You're going to have ghost towns like in, you know, the, the wild West and, you know, we're just, whatever it was, and it's just going to be completely empty. Or the states can be like, oh, great, <laughs> free developed uh, city center. Thank you so much. We didn't have to pay for it. 
Yeah, and then you're going to end up with these weird towns in Nevada named like Blockchain Nevada. <laughs> uh, you know, Ted Self-Driving Vehicles Nevada. Uh, I will say, if it plays out the way you think it will play out, we are going to get some amazing abandoned videos in like 10 years of people going through these corporate towns after they've ghosted and no one's like, I don't want to live in the fucking desert. I don't care how close it is to Las Vegas. I'm going to go back to California, which is sinking in the ocean because at least innovation's still happening in Silicon Valley. <laughs> right. So there's that. Um, now, one of the other interesting things is these towns would be overseen by three person boards which is like oh that's that's pretty logical like you're gonna appoint a three-person board to help oversee the town with the company having majority say in who gets appointed so the company is able to build a tribunal yes yeah i can't see that going wrong in any way yeah gonna be totally fine Let's filter back to the rest of my to the earlier part of my facts. I, I, I mentioned Governor Steve and this company, Blockchain LLC, which is going to be the first one to do this. Well, Blockchain LLC has given $60,000 in domain, donations to Governor Steve's campaigns over the past few years. I'm 60, sure that has nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with it. Uh, 60000 to get your own town with your own government. Kind of a cheap investment. That is really cheap. So. Although I'm sure there are some governors out there that you could give him like uh, just a really good high five and a ham sandwich and they'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. You want what What do you want? You want a bridge? You want you want an airport? Texas. Well, oh, Texas. You want to run our power grid and not have any sort of control against any weather? <laughs> Go for it. You don't need anything. Your pipes will never freeze. It doesn't get cold in Texas. <laughs> Sorry, Texas. I, I really do feel bad for what you guys suffered through. But yeah, that lack of You oversight. sort of invested in alternate energy a little too quickly, a little too heavy with no backup plan because you basically went, we're running 100% solar because the sun never sets on Texas. Hey, climate change. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, also, they their state still runs like 80% on gas, and a bunch of their instruments in the gas places froze over. It's just and, not smart. Yeah, no, because they didn't winterize anything. They didn't plan for cold. No, well from someone who lived in the south for a number of years nobody south of the mason dixon line ever prepares for winter they're always shy. i lived in virginia for seven years and every winter it snowed and every year they were unprepared it's happened for millennia okay the white stuff falls out of the sky when it gets cold every every year Every oh my god, oh my god, there's an inch of snow on the ground. What do we do? The same thing you did last year. All right. Break out a shovel, push that shit to the side. I mean, the amount of snow we used to get in Rochester in Virginia, um, you know, was enough that we'd call a snow day 
in Rochester, I would just shift the car into all-wheel. I wouldn't even shift the car into all-wheel drive. I would just go, and we'd be fine. But in the South, you know, it's, you know, snowmageddon. We're all going to die. So well, I will give you the South doesn't have the salt or plow infrastructure for that kind of weather. True. So, true. That does make a difference. But still, we have things called meteorologists. I know they're usually wrong on everything, but they're somewhat somewhat accurate some of the time. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about a little bit about dystopia, about this new form of corporate town, because I have to say this scares me a lot more than the 1900s, 1800s corporate towns. Because in the 1800s, yeah, you tried to control your people, whatever. We now live in 2021. And I'm just going to play an example that popped up in my head while thinking about this. Hey, uh, John, come into our meeting. Um, We heard you were disparaging the company. What do you mean? Well, we heard you say some not nice things about the company. I haven't posted anything on Facebook or anything. No, um, when you we gave you your home, it had Alexas. And we heard what you were saying about your boss to your wife last night when you got home. That, that behavior is not acceptable if you want to keep your employment. Remember when you had Susie over from accounting and her husband, John, for dinner last week? And you were talking about Miriam and HR. And you were being kind of rude to her. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. And that will happen, especially because you're insisting that it's tech companies that set up these towns. Exactly. The other one I thought of is like. The election's coming up. We don't need you to vote because we as a town will be casting our vote for this candidate. And I know that would be a lot more difficult to happen, but also it's a tech company. So I could see them trying that. Right. It's also, well, it, well, it would, it would be worse than that because the reason why I fear these innovation zones more than corporate towns of days gone by is the capacity for illusion and deception is greater now than it was over a hundred years ago in the sense that you want to steal an election in these corporate towns they wouldn't say hey hey, we're going to vote as a collective because we have your best interest in heart it would be the company has developed an app for you to vote on we have gotten it approved by the state legislator you don't have we're not going to have physical polling places you can vote at work through the designated voting booths at work or you can vote from the comfort of your own home with your blockchain kiosk that's built into your front door and it's their it's their own software and they see how everybody votes even though voting's supposed to be anonymous and it's and they go, oh, crap, uh, majority of the town voted for candidate B. All right. Well, shift it to candidate A. 
and let's put everybody that voted for candidate B on lockdown. Or, I mean, the scariest thing is if these corporate towns end up having like uh, social media scores or social scores. Well, think about it. If it's, we're getting into complete dystopia, but they could control the police. They could control the fire department, the hospital, the public schools. They could control what your children learn because you're going to a corporate town's public school. And, you know, I understand they don't want to give these to um, like gas companies, but let's say like Exxon finally got to form a corporate company and they're like, well, we don't want you to know about all the oil spills. So we're going to not inform you of that piece of information in your teaching like it is just surrendering so much over to a corporation and expecting a corporation to do good with that level of power right it also falls into one of the major fallacies of um logical thinking which is um it thinks a corporation's core directive is to do good it's not it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what a corporation does, you know, what they say they do, what their mission statement is at its very core. Every company's purpose is to make a profit, to make money. Even a nonprofit organization's goal is to make a profit because all a nonprofit means is at the end of the year, they need to have invested every profit they made. If a company doesn't make a profit, they go out of business. Every company needs to make a profit. That's at the core. They don't care about welfare or well-being. I mean, there are good companies out there. They have genuine interests at heart, but at the end of the day, they need to make a profit. If they don't make a profit, they don't exist. It's like, as a human being, we need to breathe air. There's a lot of other things we do. There's a lot of other goals we have in life. If we don't satisfy that basic one, we die. That's the same thing with a company. If it doesn't make a, it's a, it's breathing air. That's making a profit. If a company doesn't make a profit, they die. So this is all going to be great and hunky-dory and happy-go-lucky. While things are great, it's going to turn into dystopia real quick. It just has the makings of dystopia i mean it's so much worse than the old corporate towns because the old corporate towns owning i mean because here's the thing the old corporate town they owned the home they owned the grocery store they owned the library this new type of corporate town they don't need to own your home because they'll have the police or a private security force They'll have they'll own the laws. They don't need to be like, yeah, you're just renting. So you're evicted. They're going to be like, oh, guess what? You're a criminal. Go to jail. Taking everything. Have fun. I mean, political dissident. Again, it's getting into dystopia, but thinking about the fact that they'd own the government and potentially own the police commit. Let's say the police commissioner was in their pocket. We know the way the police are militarized in the United States. So now you have a corporate town's police force getting military grade equipment. And let's say something happens in that town that they go on strike or try to unionize. 
And the result is we call this an uncivil protest in our town. Hey, police go in with SWAT gear and rubber bullets and start shooting these protesters. Like, I know people don't want to think this, but it isn't too many steps from a town owning a government or from a company owning a government to get to that point. This is the step towards idiocracy or the step towards a scary, scary version of America that we're already on track with the way corporations rule our lives, you know, in Facebook and Twitter and those types of things. This is just taking that step and putting it into overdrive. And the problem is because of how short-sighted the majority of, you know, percentage of the population is, if these innovation zones work on a small scale for a short period of time, it'll give people carte blanche to be like, oh, we need to scale this up. And, you know, as long as nothing goes wrong for the first, you know, decade, you could see an entire state turn corporate. You know, Pepsi presents Arizona. <laughs> hey, okay. Now you're just a stone's throw away from, well, I mean, at that point, now you have representation of the federal government, which, you know, is probably the worst thing that could ever happen. You know, we, there was a time where we had, you know, antitrust and breaking up of corporations and, the understanding that if a corporation got too big, no good would come of it. And I feel like nowadays, like the whole concept of monopolies bad and antitrust is just something that's kind of taught at school. And it's just like, yeah, but it's not really that big of a deal. You don't have to worry about it. Like, and then, and then like the excuse in the loopholes, well, it's not really a monopoly because you can get dish. N- no, no, that's not the same thing. That's not saying that I can get internet from Frontier, which is still a dial-up with is not is not the same as fiber optic cable. So, yeah, let someone else in the market. Tyson Chicken presents South Dakota. Right. <laughs> no, you know, and you know, you mentioning that made me think of something else um you know i know that companies like mergers and acquisitions well what if a bunch of corporate towns form and then another company is like instead of buying up companies for the company i'm going to start buying up companies for the corporate town and now i own four companies that you know control this area of nevada and now i own a nice little segment of nevada because those four companies though they remain independent when you look at it, the base level are owned by Megacorp uh, Incorporated, an LLC that is just a holding company for corporate towns. Oh, here's the other thing. These corporate towns have American citizens in it, which means they're going to, they're going to get congressional representation, which means you will have a congressman who basically should have a nascar jacket on all the time well i mean they already should well that's true their suit should be covered in 
patches of who they take their money from. I think congressmen should have to should have to wear the logos of the companies that sponsor them. And it should be like those size charts where the more money you get, the bigger size logo you get. Yeah. So like you got, you know, a comp a congressman with Raytheon slapped across his back and you know, another one that's like PepsiCo or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim's Taco Hut, just very small, sort of, you know, on the on the bottom bottom left, but Jim's Taco Hut is there. I mean, I'd I'd sponsor a congressman if uh, if I could get uh, my name or my company's logo on their jacket. I mean, that would be good. Ruby Gordon Furniture presents Joe Morelli. Oh, no. No, thank you. Pass. (laughs) But I mean, or or at least just put the logos outside of your office. (laughs) I mean, with some of the votes we've seen recently, the fact that, you know, Hey, $15 minimum wage was happening. And now is that happening? We're getting you that $1,400. Uh, sure you are. Uh, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting you those. No, we're we're going to get you $2,000 day one. Uh, d- yeah. We meant up to $2,000. Yeah. We meant only for people earning $5 or less. And by that we meant 1400 and, uh, Where's my stimulus check? We're too busy bombing Syria. Yeah, okay. we're, we're going to bomb Great. Syria, but then not hold uh, uh, MBS accountable after we claimed he's accountable because it could hurt our relationships with them. Or, you know, hey, we got to open up that detention facility in Texas for the overflow of children that we're putting in, you know, with COVID. We got to have them properly distanced in a different facility. Uh and then we're going to fight harder for Nira tandem than anything else because she's important. I honestly didn't think this could get worse. And in every week uh, the administration outdoes itself. So this is it's but and that's I feel like we have the most corporate sponsored administration that we've had. I mean, we've been getting to this point. Obviously, it's it's gotten worse, you know, every administration for probably the last, you know, 10 administrations or probably before that, probably since the beginning of time, beginning worse. We had a little dip, you know, with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, being a badass. But then, you know, corporations figured it out, got smarter and went right back to corrupting our government. And I feel like we're, we're back. We're on a we're on like an accelerated trajectory to I mean, corporations running everything. I've read more than one article about if the 1920s are going to be reflected back in the 2020s and if we're headed towards another great stock market crash. I mean, I don't have enough research to really go into it, but the articles are out there on it. So I do have another question on these uh, logos on the suit jackets. How big would Ritz Carlton Cancun's logo be on Ted Cruz? is jacket small you think small small well i mean it depends it depends on how we're um (laughs) how how does the sizing get there is it based off of um donation or you know like direct direct support because then it'll probably be small or is it media attention because if if the media gets to decide how big the logo is that bitch is just tattooed on his forehead 
So <laughs> it's just Ritz Carlton Cancun uh, tattooed across Ted's forehead, like the Joker's damage tattoo. Uh, bad Joker. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we are headed to a scary point. And I mean, we were we were there with corporations before, it, but it's not as bad as this could end up being. And luckily it's one state. The bill hasn't passed. But see, that's but that's the problem, because if it does pass and these get to start in one state, they get congressional representation. And then that's just like a cancer that can spread because then you can have congressmen lobbying other congressmen. And then you get another state that turns and then another state that turns. And before you know it, you have a voting caucus in the Senate. I mean, the biggest thing that could happen is this to pass, start forming the corporate towns, and then the current tech bubble just burst in like 2025. Like, because it seems like the current tech bubble is headed that way. Right. It's hurting already. Well, that's the other thing. If you have, if these corporate towns get too big and there's too many of them you want to talk about another you know great depression if you have local governments based around basically a certain industry because that's what by saying innovation you're forcing it to be basically an industry in a bubble that bubble bursts and all those corporations go out at the same time you'll force a crash because all of us because People won't just lose their job. They'll, the entire town will go bankrupt. Everything about someone's life will be destitute and they'll have nowhere to go because there'll be no moving companies because they're all out of business because they all got loans from the from the bank of Jim's electric car company, which I will mean, be defunct. I also think like what what happens the first time the stock market changes because blockchain llc incorporated its town today and its stock went way up because it has its own town now like every citizen gets one stock one stock you get one one ah but yeah but i mean that's a way to artificially inflate stock prices too it's such a least from the article i read it sounds like such a poorly thought out plan to help nevada stop just being the city of las vegas please build somewhere else and i mean of course nevada's not nevada's not known for making good decisions when it comes to towns i mean um one of my favorite stories was um after the or before the Hoover Dam was built, there were investors that were selling, um, that were selling property, you know, long, large tracts of lands on the edge of the Grand Canyon and, you know, selling it and setting, getting state governments and, and local people to invest and build these towns on the edge of the Grand Canyon and going like, yeah, the Hoover Dam is going to, you know, cause the water and you're, you're going to have uh, you know, lakefront property <laughs> and uh, nope, you're still just on the edge of a canyon. You're also I mean, on the wrong side of the Hoover Dam. So 
it really just seems like a ploy to steal some business out of California. I feel like out every of... state right now is trying to steal business out of California because of how awful California is. Well, is it burning or exploding or falling into the water or just having population density issues? I mean, California is just... having a rough time. It's just a pile of shit. With people just making bad decisions. But the worst part is because California people are some of the worst is that they move to other places and they make the, they, they complain about how bad California was. But then they put in place the things that made California bad in the first place. They're like, you know, little shit stains that just fuck up other places they go. And then in 20 years, they're like, you know, this place wasn't like it used to be. And uh, it's kind of shitty now. Yeah, because you made it shitty because you tried to make it like California. And to our one listener that's from California, I'm sorry, but uh, you you get it because, you know, you're from a pile of shit. So. Yeah, back down to seven listeners. (laughs) Didn't want the California guy anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, a bad idea. There is only the potential for abuse. There is literally no upside to this. Yeah, no, there's no upside at all. (laughs) And once again, uh, we have history. (laughs) We... (laughs) We know how these things have gone in the past. Why would you think it would work this time? Because you're somehow more enlightened than they were a hundred years ago. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) no, you're dumber than they were. Yeah, it's a bad idea, but that's really all I have on corporate (laughs) towns. And I know we wandered a lot this episode, but that's what we do. That's what happens when you come to the tavern and, uh, you share you share a pint of Guinness with us. I mean, we've got some other great episodes ideas coming to you guys uh, this year. Some of it might be informed by the absolute amazing decisions the Biden administration is making so far. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun season. We thought our first season was uh wild and uh fun um this this season uh is uh is probably going to be a lot better and uh we got fun things coming up um a lot of fun ideas maybe some alternate history dive down those rabbit holes maybe a conspiracy episode uh who knows yeah it's been fun the beer was really good this time. It's been a uh, great uh, joining you for a drink, Jake. And uh, to all of our listeners, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, drink responsibly. Stay safe. And uh, thank you for joining us at the tavern. This week's podcast is...